Hello everyone, this is Marisa Dima and that's Mixed Reality in Culture. Today I have with me Lucas De Wolf, uh, an independent artist, storyteller, illustrator, designer, and we will be talking together uh, about his journey in mixed reality development and design, particularly focusing on how do you start, how do you learn the tools, how do you critically engage as well with the medium if you come from an artistic perspective and not from a developer one. So the title will be uh, Learning Mixed Reality from Zero to Dot, Dot, Dot. <laughs> Lucas uh, is the is a Gant uh, based in Belgium and is the founder of XR Technology Collective. He's an artist educator and facilitator exploring and creating immersive realities. He is developing his artistic practice, creating experiences where human connection is central. Key to his work is using the affordances of digital technologies to explore the physical world and to question our analog nature within virtual space. We are going to delve into this deeper today. Uh, Lucas, welcome. Hi, Marisa. Um, oh, thank you for that beautiful introduction. <laughs> Uh, and we are here uh, in this, uh, we are just like uh, the new year, five days after the new year, uh, where we are uh, discussing and pondering our new projects. So I think it's uh, one of the best um, places to kind of start reflecting as well uh, of how, you know, how do we start and how do we continue and, and do these critical reflections. So um, my first question is, uh, tell us a little bit about your journey and how, in particular, how you entered into mixed reality design. Mm -hmm. And where do you start if you know nothing or very little? Oh, um, so my journey started about three to four years ago by now. Um, uh, I, my background is in graphic design and motion design, animation, but I've always been interested in video games, interactive art. Um, and then instead of uh, after I finished my bachelor's, I went and followed a postgraduate uh, digital storytelling. Um, and this was many different courses, but I had one week uh, that was about augmented and virtual reality storytelling. Um, and I've been interested in VR as well for a while. And then that was the first um, introduction I had to it where it was about, okay, how can you use the tools and how can you make something with it? And because it was in such a short period of time, I really felt like, oh, um, I just had a week with just uh, a teacher uh, and he showed me how to use these tools. It's really not that hard. Um, to, to make your own uh, experiences. And then from that day on, I decided I'm just going to keep exploring this. This is a really exciting new world. Um, I hear a lot of people talking about it. I see a lot of like new, um, really exciting things happening within the industry. Um, I want to be part of that. Um, so after my, my postgraduate, I started exploring companies that were working with it in Belgium, uh, doing some internships. Um, often these were more in uh, documentary places, film places that were more artistic than uh, more professional industry related. Um, and I got so excited and I got so much uh, joy out of creating these stories that I also wanted to uh, grow myself more professionally. So I started following masterclasses um online i followed a lot of like 
tutorials to start creating my experiences myself. And what also was really important for me was that because I started, I'm not a developer, I don't know how to code. Um, I, I found a lot of tools to, to start creating um, online because a lot of tools started being shared online. Um, and for me, that was really exciting to learn those tools, but also to share those tools again, just like they had been shared with me. Um, so I even started giving workshops. I even started teaching um, because through the practice of giving workshops and teaching, uh, I started to understand and I started to learn more and I started to grow as an artist. Um, so that was really exciting. Great. Um, I think what you said about the, the the software, I have a question there because it's something that we discussed also in the uh, ethics by design episode when we were talking about this, uh, you know, the, the notion of the metaverse, etc. And how important is to and useful, I guess, to have uh, free frameworks and free software. And not only that, but also how easy or not it has been for you to use them and what would be like these skills these the skills that you think you had before that helped you starting with those or uh if there was a community involved that um that you could anchor like for support um you know without having to involve a um, developer company for example mm -hmm. uh, or you know through these tutorials and these um workshops that you did did you find like a network of um support in terms of development there uh, mm -hmm. um, i think for me what was really important within my my practice is uh, that i uh, joined the community of people who are very enthusiastic and willing to learn um, and this doesn't need to be a community that is necessarily working in the field that you are working. Uh, this can, of course, be the most obvious places are schools. Um, but uh, there's also so many other places that are excited about learning and growing, doing personal development. Uh, for me, that was a makerspace. Um, and because I had a space where I could share the things that I was doing, uh, even though they weren't crazy, amazing, complicated, it was all about the learning. Um, I felt very much motivated to, to keep going, to keep learning, to share this knowledge. And I think that is, is really important. You can, of course, also find these communities online. Um, I think it's about sharing what we're doing that really drives us to to explore whatever it is that excites you um, because xr can definitely be a very very difficult practice it combines a lot of different mediums from from theater to video games um, oral storytelling and it's quite difficult to be good at all of these things so sometimes it can be very demotivating. And when then you have a community of people around you that, that are supporting your learning journey, then it doesn't really matter if you have like the best result or something that you really want to share in the world because it's just about these tiny moments of success, of learning something and, and supporting each other. Um, and for me, I think that's the reason why I'm here. And that's also why I'm still so passionate about uh, on one hand, sharing knowledge, but on the other hand, also trying to create 
uh, a community myself. Um, and then I think if I go back to uh, another part of your question, where it's like, how important are these um, these open software or the, these free softwares? Um, because it's it's a bit about accessibility and like the first thing i said is the most obvious place for learning is a school but many people either don't have the time or the resources to invest in their own learning journey um and a school is a very heavy time investment also a money investment um so if if you want to if you want to find a community then you have to go looking for somewhere else but then mostly that community doesn't have the the resources that a school does um licensing fees to software the material to start making um so a lot of a lot of these things are connected to to privilege to wealth to having resources um but then what really excites me is because um, mixed reality um, is all about trying to digitalize our experience in some way. Uh, and that is exciting because when it's digital, you can copy it and it doesn't almost doesn't require resources to copy it. Um, so that's why within open source communities and within software communities. In essence, um, once you create something, you have the ability to share it very easily. Um, so that means that this, this uh, the resources of, of, of money, the resources of hardware uh, can be overcome. Um, which is very exciting for people who don't have them, uh, for communities that are underprivileged or communities that maybe aren't supported through uh, institutions or through other networks. Um, so it's, I, I find it really amazing um, that a lot of this knowledge gets shared online and gets shared freely online um and i really try to support people to follow that route to share what they're doing to share their knowledge um even though sometimes that feels counterproductive mm -hmm. um and do you think there is a lot of these kind of free tools uh, uh and also a coll collectives maybe or groups of people that um that offer this support like let's say in europe and internationally um, I think the biggest um, and most most perfect example of of this um, mindset, I would say, is uh, is Blender. The it's a three D software, um, uh, but it's almost more than that. It's it's very much a community of people that are really passionate about sharing knowledge. The software is has grown since 2018 into almost an industry professional standards while the the software and the licensing is completely free and open um and because it has reached this kind of like almost industry level um standard 
you have or I have seen a boom of people who are working within XR because a big part of XR, MR, is um, our 3D digital spaces and Blender is the perfect software for that. Um, Blender is a company uh, or an organization based in Amsterdam. Um, and I think their zeitgeist is really, yes, about sharing, about giving tools to creators. The whole software is also built around this perspective where um, the, the, the basic software packs a, a big punch. It has a lot of tools. It can do many things of the, the um, mixed reality pipeline. It can go from um, designing 3D worlds, texturing, making very beautiful images, to even having interactivity and, and being able to um, plug your, your blender to a VR headset and stepping into your worlds yourself. So almost everything is already in the package. But then next to that, you have an entire community that just creates and makes different packages of software to improve the program, to give very specific tools or very specific functions that they were looking for. Uh, and because they were looking for it, they had the idea that, oh, probably somebody else is also looking for it. And then they share it and then it grows, get built on until even the point that the official developers um, integrated into the official software package. And I think this, um, this method, this, uh, this way of sharing knowledge, creating um, and reflecting with your community is really like something to strive forward and something that makes me really passionate. Mm, great. Um... My question, my next question is about, I think delving a little bit more into your uh, journeys, how do you learn uh, to work with these hardware and software um, in, in a, as, as a method first? Like, for example, I, I like to learn by doing a project. Mm -hmm. uh, so if I have something like a, a goal rather than doing tutorials, I get a little bit bored with tutorials. <laughs> mm -hmm. Might do a few in the beginning, but then I want to have like a name and then I do the tutorials that that uh, fit in this aim. Yeah. Um, so how like did you start? What did you do first? Did you do small experiments? Did you share them with the community? Did you go for a specific uh, 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 output, artistic output that you wanted to exhibit? Mm -hmm. uh, and what was that? Like, tell us a little bit more about your work while, you know, you were learning. <laughs> so the first work that um, I created that ended up in an exhibition was um, a work called Sexma. Um, and this was created because I was a bit interested in augmented reality. I just got a new phone that was able to, to run augmented reality installations or experiences. So I started learning myself following some tutorials uh, but just like you said it's if you follow tutorials without purpose it can sometimes be very daunting or boring um, so I started imagining like what kind of story do I want to tell with it um, what kind of my own personal stories excite me really trying to find a spark of something that I want to tell something that I want to do uh, and for me that was 
um, uh, a pile of porno magazines that I uh, inherited from my uncle uh, when he passed away. Um, and uh, porno magazines by themselves are really intriguing and interesting. But inside of the magazines, there were um, kind of the Tinder of the 80s, where there were a lot of personal ads for people requesting sexual acts or trying to find friendships. And I found that so special, so exciting, because it was a, a world that I didn't completely know about. Um, and so then I linked that experience. I had that personal interest of me of like this, this kind of kinky uh, sexual world that was hidden in these magazines. And I thought maybe augmented reality can help uh, bring that world into ours um, in, an, in a sort of accessible artistic way. Um, and then I started making tiny little prototypes. I started sharing it with my friends. I, um, I was sitting in this makerspace, developing on it and sharing with the people that were just passing by. And because I was doing that, I was getting immediate feedback of people that were laughing, that people were a bit like, um, I wouldn't say ashamed, but a bit uncomfortable through it. Uh, but also a big part of what has become the installation I witnessed through uh, prototyping and developing and, and working on it in this makerspace because I uh, I was developing it for a, a phone and a phone is a very singular experience I have my phone I'm looking through it it's kind of private as well but then because I was sharing with everyone and I had my phone like there were multiple people standing around the phone walking through the room really like exploring and it almost turned into a game but it was also really interesting to see so in the end, my experience turned into an installation um, that still has one phone and that has two headphones connected because I, for me, having this community experience or this coll uh, collective experience with somebody else of exploring these, uh, these stories, these personal ads is, is very much the core of what I, um, uh, why I created to work. And I found that because I was in this makerspace, I was sharing my development, I was getting direct feedback, I was um, observing the interactions of the people. Mm -hmm. And I guess with that, uh, it's what you also explored through that is the the limitations and the opportunities of these specific devices, right? Like the mobile in that case. Mm -hmm. for the augmented reality so wh how what role did that play like sharing these prototypes um within the, with the community not only about the content but also about the way you interact with it because i think that, well, this is important in uh, with immersive technologies yeah i think that's that's very much the most important thing because um the the dream is and the illusion is that we're with uh, mixed reality storytelling is that anything is possible. It's digital. It doesn't have any limits until you start making it. Then you suddenly realize the limits of hardware, the limits of devices, the limits of just people's knowledge of how to interact with something. Um, so that's definitely the most 
uh, important uh, takeaway that I give to my students, that I give to cultural workers if I teach, that prototyping and trying out your experience as fast as possible, even through non-digital means, is, um, is so important. It will help you develop so much faster and will give you a bigger understanding of what is possible, what you can do with your time, money, resources, knowledge, all that related. And what are, what are well, what were the, the challenges you found in this project or in any other afterwards that you might want to talk about? Mm, I think I would love to talk about uh, another project that I've done where um, for um, a theater venue, um, together with a few friends, I created uh, a virtual foyer because it was in the middle of the pandemic. Everything was on lockdown. Everyone was supposed to be home. And they were trying to organize a festival of different uh, shows, mostly through Zoom or through live streams. Um, but they still wanted to have this... Um, this communal experience of, of being together before a show in the foyer, being coming together after show in the foyer, having a drink. Um, and they, they wanted more than just a Zoom. Uh, so for them, we created a digital space um, where people could gather, people could explore, people could just uh, chat around in a more uh, private sense. Um, and that was really exciting to do, to also learn a lot. I also learned a lot through that project. Um, but of course, you have to think of all the limitations of people's hardware at home. Um, digital spaces require a lot of like computing power. And when, when your uncle just has like uh, just a laptop that he bought from um, a very cheap uh, store, that won't be able to run the most high fidelity, beautiful, visually pleasing experiences. Um, so we really had to like think of the limitations of um, the software and also of the accessibility, because not a lot of people are interested in downloading a specific software app uh, for an experience. Um, a lot of um, digital literacy is also not present within an older generation. So these are all things you need to take account for. And we did that through uh, making it just accessible through the web. Um, so we, we approached this digital foyer in the most accessible way that we could figure out. Uh, and that is by using Mozilla Hubs, which is a web-based um, digital space program, um, where just like you, you surf to a website, you just um, copy in a link and you go to this digital space. So there's no need for people to download specific software. Um, any device can, can handle it. You can go to it on a VR headset, phone, laptop, iPad. Uh, so through that, a lot of people could access it, but then we also had to really be aware of um, the technical limitations. We we couldn't build gigantic, uh, visually pleasing worlds. Uh, we really had to think about how many 
polygons, uh, how how big our textures were, how how many lights we used in the space, but also how how many people could be in the same space. Because the more people that are in, in one singular space, the more processing power is required. So we also divided uh, different worlds where people could come together because um, even in, in our physical reality, we're never talking with 30 people at the same time. Um, so kind of playing, exploring um, around with these techni technical limitations, but also what was necessary of this uh, foyer for this uh, virtual festival. So there is a lot of the social connection and uh, the just the social environment, I guess, social MR in your work. And I want to learn a little bit more about that. So uh, I'm, I'm very much interested on, you know, from your artistic uh, practice, how do you bridge the two worlds um, through this? So like using the immersive technologies to explore the physical world and having as an underlying connection, this social experience. Uh, and as a second question, uh, I mean, you talked a little bit about the challenges of, of, uh, of using uh, MR to, to explore this within the social MR experience context. But how did you, how, how are you creative with that, with the technology, with the immersive technologies and the social spaces and designing and developing the social spaces? Mm -hmm. mm, I think um, um, for me, if I create something, it's it's either to tell my personal story or it's to, to tell a story that hasn't been told before uh, or in a way that has not been told before. Um, and I think telling stories together enables that. Um, and also um, for me, it's really about sharing stories that's more important. Because if you can make all the stories you want, but if you are never able to share a story, then for me, it's, it's, it's more of an existential thing than it loses its purpose. Um, I think we, we really, uh, as, as humans, really are storytellers because we, through storytelling, we can help each other. We can figure out our existence. We can find meaning. Um, and I think that that's also something that I try to bring to people. If I, I share with them, um, my, my knowledge, or I, I try to, to teach them how to make MR stories is really, why are you, why are you doing this? Because sometimes it's so difficult, like developing can take so long or the software is like very difficult to learn. Uh, but if you pause and reflect why you're doing it, sometimes you don't even need to be developing like this crazy experience. Sometimes you don't even need the things that you thought you need and you can scale down so much. You can just like find the most easiest solution to tell the story that you want to be telling. An example of that is when I was um, at a production company, a documentary production company, we were asked to create a VR experience for um, a metal festival. 
Um, Belgium is, has many amazing festivals, um, which is about coming together and, and celebrating. And, and we thought, what can VR actually add to that? Uh, the digital experience of a festival is the music and then most of everything else is the physical experience, uh, being together with people, dancing, drinking. Um, should we really add something digital to that? Uh, and in an amazing brainstorm session that I had with um, my friend and my colleagues is that what can what can we give to somebody that is um, that is not what kind of story or what kind of experience can we give to somebody in that space? Um, and then we, we, we thought of the idea of creating an accessible mosh pit, because of course the metal scene is very well known for their very aggressive, very strong, very hard mosh pits where just people are in a circle, just hitting themselves, their bodies against each other. Uh, so that's not accessible for a lot of people, people who don't feel safe in there or people in uh, the case of the metal festival in wheelchairs. Um, Belgium is, has a great festival scene and they create a lot of uh, accessibility for people in wheelchairs that they have different stages that everything can be seen. And we thought of like, can we even make that experience for them more immersive? Can we bring them closer to the experience of a metal festival? Um, so then, the most low um, low technology solution way that we figure out to do that is by just having a GoPro, a 360 GoPro that films all around you um, in my hand and just jumping into the mosh pit, just like going for it. We didn't even know if it was gonna work, if the footage was gonna be usable, if, the stitching, anything was was going to be good, but we just tried it out. We went in there, put that on the most cheap VR headset we had because it's a metal festival. There's beer flowing everywhere, um, and we we put uh, people on the wheelchair podium who um, who maybe couldn't go in, who maybe never had the opportunity to go into a mosh pit, or who uh, before I had the opportunity, but now I don't have it anymore. Um, and the reaction we got was amazing. Um, while we put people, we put a VR headset on people's head, they saw my perspective from in the mosh bed. They also felt um, through their body the mosh bed because, of course, we don't only put the headset on their head. We also ask a few like big, strong guys next to them to like push around them a bit and like um, give a bit, tiny bit of the impression of of having actual people there with you. Um, and when they took off the headset, they really gave us the feedback and they really uh, praised the experience that for them, it's the closest thing they have felt uh, to being in a mosh pit or it really uh, reminded them or really like brought them back into the experience since um, they, they weren't able to do so anymore. Um, and that really for me is, is a great example because like it's just a camera, cheapest hardware we could find, try it out, 
and and you can give people an experience a story that they never uh, have been able to hear or experience before that's a that's a beautiful project really nice um yeah i mean what i'm very much interested now and what uh, how does that um I think ties with your quest to question the analog nature, our analog nature within the virtual space. Mm-hmm. Like, how, you know, if you were to reflect a little bit on this from your artistic practice, how does that? Is that like a nice um, example? I think for me, it's. Um... Uh, MR and XR is really much of uh, a way to explore our physical reality because we're trying to digitalize something, but our, 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 our human nature, how we are in this reality is so complex that we kind of have to like slim everything down. Um, we kind of have to uh, subtract um everything that's happening into something that we can then replace, uh, recreate. Um, but to do so, we need to be to understand what is happening. And the being able to share our experiences and to digitalize our experience means that we're more able to reflect on them, that the experiences can be the same over a longer period of time. So it's it's perfect for research, artistic research or academic research. Uh, but it also tells to us a lot of like, when you put on a VR headset and then you take it off, I think Jason Lanier was like one of the first um, VR developers. He was making his own VR headsets. Um, and when he took off the headset of other people's head, he showed them or he gave them a flower. And for him, that meant that having this, this reflection, taking a step out of our physical reality and looking back at it afterwards, we can see what is not the same. We can really understand what, because we can take a step back, we can look at it and see what is, what is different, uh, what is interesting, what is not interesting. And I think for me, that really is the power. Um, I'm not interested in, in creating uh, an alternate reality. I'm, in, I'm interested in reflecting on this one and what kind of, um, how we can improve it, how we can um, talk about it, how we can share experiences. Um, just like this uh, virtual Moshpit experience is with, with a VR glass, most of it is because of, uh, most the, the biggest qualities of that is the, the visual. You just see your environment. Um, but we also share, of course, the videos that we shoot on, um, on the internet. We just share them on social media so other people at home can also experience it. But if they don't have a VR headset, they just look on their phone. So that's a completely different experience for these two people through the same medium. Um, so we can see that the visual experience and the embodied experience is completely different and creates completely different values or creates completely different stories or understanding of each other's experience. Um, and that's what really excites me is that we're able to really just pick apart our whole human existence and 
and work on it, develop it, understand it, and, and combine it back together in something that we want to live in or we want to really explore further. Mm, that, that's very nicely put, actually. Um, yeah, and I, I, in my project as well, always the, the question that I do, I, that I ask is, what's the added value of the technology? And um, so there is, I think it's, the, for me, there's this way of asking, why do I add that? Like, what? You know what does it bring to the experience, and also is there an interesting design way to bring it into the experience? Because a hundred percent is about how do you design these kind of magical moments, this that that mix that that blend the virtual with the physical. So just mm-hmm. because um, you are blending it, even if there is a very good reason to blend it, it's on the design whether it's going to be good or not how this blending is going to be and whether this is actually in the end going to add value Mm -hmm. Uh, but what i find very interesting in what you said is that there is this other aspect and i think that's very much from your exploration explorative artistic practice of how what does it mean you know to um you know how i'll put it a different way how do we explore our physicality through the digital Mm-hmm. I think that's that's great because it opens up a lot of avenues for, uh, you know, for artistic research or practice. Uh, it, do you have any other project to share that's related to that? I'm really interested. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, and thank you for asking. Um, uh, another project that I'm working on is uh, a project f- uh, that is exploring embodied intimacy. Um, and the the interesting part of XR is it's um, we're trying to create everything digital. We're trying to replicate our experiences, but it's a very very mental scene. It's it's all very much about ideas, and it's it's trying to create things into um, very abstract languages. Um, values the the whole the whole digital is just about values it's ones and zeros um and what is is very difficult is our to translate into these digital experiences is our embodied um presence in the sense of like we have so many receptors in our bodies we have so many um feelings that we have um, to understand our reality Um, and it was quite easy to just put two screens in front of our eyes and then we can the way we see the world we can easily start recreating but there's so many more nuances of um, how our body perceives the world how our body senses the world that we even haven't begun um, exploring uh, to digitalize uh, and maybe we'll never will maybe we will that's that's not up to me to say um but with the this new project that i'm working with um it's really a mixed reality project where i'm trying to explore what um vr uh, worlds can give um but also what they can give because this project is about um uh, embodied intimacy, feeling close to each other, but also creating safe spaces to do so, and what it requires. 
um in this in the experience that i'm creating it's about it's it's an experience that we're creating for five individuals uh, inside a physical installation guided by a live performer in which they put on vr headsets but uh, they also interact physically with each other um and the, the virtual world we create to support uh, them to feel um, to get feedback on their actions, but also to kind of take away them from the ideas that they already have. Uh, because the virtual world, we keep, keep very abstract, very serene. Um, so they, if they see, perhaps like if I see you, I think, oh yeah, I have my perceptions, I have my ideas of what I have of you. But if I see something abstract, I can, everything that I, I, I perceive of that comes from within me. Um, so we kind of use the VR as a very expensive blindfold um, so that people uh, start practicing more mindful things or more Eastern um, ideologies of being very present within their body and also the body of others. And, and really listening to that and, and, and understanding and feeling uh, these things. So there I see the power of XR where we can take away things. We can take away ideas. We can change mental things. We can have feedback loops, uh, digital feedback loops. But then also I also see where XR lacks and, and where our crazy computer body still has the power uh, the power over our reality and um, um yeah that's that's kind of <laughs> what i'm thinking of wow great i mean i can do a whole episode on embodiment <laughs> or maybe like a whole season on embodiment oh, yes. <laughs> mix reality uh this is so interesting thank you for sharing it um and uh, thank you very much for uh, for coming to talk to this uh, for this podcast. Uh, um, do you have any, I guess, as a closing question, any advice for artists looking to get into XR? I mean, MR, most of the things you've already said, but as a summary, let's say, what would be like key points mm -hmm. for them? I think the most important part is to find a community because. Um, being just one individual we only know so much uh, but having a group of people around you that can share knowledge that can support you that can give you feedback will sustain you in the long run um, you can find this community of course physically but also online um, there's many people out there and now even coming together in digital spaces and sharing their knowledge uh, so that's definitely the core of what is happening um, and then also, just like we've talked about a lot during um, this episode, is really finding the stories and the, the reasons and the why you want to be telling things uh, or why you want to do that, because that's going to be like the engine of your XR car. It really like um, drives you forward. It pushes you forward. It's going to like um, keep you going. Um, and then I think what I would like ask from these people is to give back to the community 
to share the things that you have been doing to really try to resist the kind of like capitalistic mindset of, of property and ownership because everything is just like our human experience is just about sharing and connecting and and, and coming together to celebrate the life that we have um, so within every experience that I'm creating I'm trying to be very playful uh, about it uh, because I think we can all imagine our future a bit more joyful than the dystopian worlds that sometimes we tell in our stories Lucas, thank you very much. And uh, your bio and all the links will be at the episode's um, uh, text. And to all of the listeners, thank you very much for listening. See you in the next episode. Bye.